We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode, part four of Two Guys Watching Wrestling, our Black Scorpion series, taking you back to 1990 WCW. And today we are covering Class Clash of Champions 13, Thanksgiving Thunder. It took place November 20th, 1990 at the Jacksonville Memorial Coliseum in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, 5,000 people in attendance, and our commentators tonight are good old JR, Jim Ross, and Paul E. Dangerously. Rich, how are you doing this evening? I just finished my third plate of Thanksgiving dinner. I cooked a full turkey dinner with all the trimmings in honor of Thanksgiving Thunder, and uh, I proceeded to throw it all up after watching <laughs> the show. It's, yeah, that, that that's kind of what this show would induce, is, is vomiting and and retching and, and pains in the back of your head that you can't explain it, it's 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 not going to be a good show today uh, i'm just gonna let you know Spo- spoiler uh, yeah, spoiler alert this is a one match show in my opinion uh plain and simple we're going to go through them all but there's only one that's going to be worth watching uh conveniently it's going to be the last one so we're going to get all the way through it <laughs> it's a journey uh, it's a journey journey uh so yeah, uh, again, last, so last week uh, I talked about how they really maximized the look of the crowd uh, for Halloween Havoc, uh, which was in Chicago. And they made it look like the crowd was like really on top of them. And even though they had, I think it was only like, I don't know, six or 8,000 people, not much more than today. And they went back to, they went back to the old way of doing things, I guess. Uh, the, I don't know. It just, it, it didn't look great. Um even though I sang the praises of the TV production on the last Clash of Champions, Flash Clash of Champions, uh, it, this is a lot of the same old WCW TV production that I've been complaining about. Um, and and we'll, we'll get into it, you know, bit by bit, and there's many bits to get into. Um, so uh, I guess uh, we're going to get going. We, we, have, we have some... Uh, where are we in the Black Scorpion story, Rich? Uh, can, can you give so... us that, that up yeah, so we're uh, we're one month away from the big final showdown in the uh, in the cage, uh, and tonight <laughs> and 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 tonight we uh, we have the first face to face experience of Sting and the Black Scorpion in the danger zone of all places because you cannot have a face to face meeting With, if it's not in the Kenny danger Loggins? zone. No, <laughs> uh, is is it though? Because on our first no our, our second show like they were in the same arena he wrestled quote unquote the black scorpion and then even though it was revealed that it was an imposter in the match the black scorpion was on the ramp and then in the uh, in the last show he did a magic act in front of sting so wouldn't that technically be face to face i mean one's wearing paint one's wearing a mask neither one of them is really face to face but they're both in the same room they're both like ten. But they are no, like, But Mike, they're uh, they're not in the danger zone. 
How was to like uh, like I know they were hyping it as and and even Sting in his, in his very excitable babyface promo was like we're gonna be face to face for the first time. It's like dude, but it's no different than last week or last month in their timeline. It's like he's up on a stage, you're being held back by invisible guards, and he does some spooky magic, and Paul Heyman sells the shit out of it. Like, well, what's the well, new thing? What's the <laughs> new bit? Besides everybody being really confused with when Ole Anderson was going to talk, <laughs> well, everybody the, talked over him. See the 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 target demo of this of of this uh, of this timeline. The target demo all has uh, Alzheimer's anyway, so they probably don't know that this is not the first face to face. And they're going to uh, be in St. Louis for Starking. <laughs> the I'll be refereeing, and they'll be aware. Thanks, Dick. <laughs> oh. the, the the show is so bad. We're just going to be all over the place with this thing because it's it's such this a mess. Sucks. But you know what? It does it does start out with two of our favorites. So we get the free birds right off the bat. Uh, so the the first match, uh, nothing can be simple. And and we'll get to the main event and the clusterfuck that is the stipulations that nobody really can understand, let alone speak out. Uh, the stipulations in the main event, but this one, so it's the Freebirds and Bobby Eaton in a six-man tag with the good old wild-eyed Southern boys and El Gigante, no longer of the dudes with attitude. I'm, I'm assuming. Was no, that, that, he is that a uh, short graduated. Lived? Oh, he. Okay. Yeah, he, he graduated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we come out uh, in classic WCW fashion. Uh, everybody stepping on everybody's shit. Um, so the Freebirds come out, they're doing their singing, they're doing their dancing. They are the greatest rock and roll band of all time, daddy. And Michael Hayes gets the microphone and he starts to say something. And the Wild Eyes Southern Boys are already jumping into the ring before their music even starts. It's like, holy shit, guys, come. Who is sending them? Seriously, who is sending them before the music plays? And then he literally, you see Michael Hayes have to give the microphone back to the ring announcer so he can announce the Southern Boys. Then they give the microphone back to Michael Hayes, and he does his bit where he says uh, they, uh, that him and Jimmy J.M. Garvin uh, kicked El Gigante in the gut and stuck him in a box and put a stamp on him. Collect. We stuck it in a box. Collect. And then they mailed him to Argentina? They mailed yes. a seven-foot giant to Argentina with a stamp? Is that is that something you could do in 1990? Inflation, you inflation, you cannot do it now. I tried to mail a uh, seven foot person to Argentina. It did not work. It returned back to me, and now uh, I don't know what to do with the body. <laughs> you just have a mess. Uh, but yeah, so okay, so so that happens, and uh, I guess we're just going to turn it into a tag team match: the Freebirds and the Southern Boys again. Um, so Bobby Eaton. Uh, just kind of hangs out on the sidelines with, uh, uh, who's the guy from the last show? Um, uh, Lindsay, uh, little, 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 little Richard. Richard Simmons or something, little, little Richard, yeah. uh, whatever. Richard. Uh, yeah. I don't, yeah. Simmons. Little, little, yeah. little Richard Lewis or something like Marley, that. Marley, uh, Marley, Marley. There we yeah. go. We jamming, man. And, uh, so yeah, so they're hanging out outside. Uh, the Southern boys, I don't think have any backup at the moment. Not yet, but just, just the, uh, just the, the Confederate flag is their third person, uh, with them using that flag, by the way, when they came out, like it was a fucking sword, 
doing Zoro shit for whatever reason. Um, this stinks. It does. It's really not good. Um, yeah. So, who the hell got the win on this one? Um, yeah, Freebirds. Freebirds got the win, right? Yeah. Another TDT. TDT finish. Yeah. My, I fucking love that move. <laughs> That, 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 that is the DDT. It's, it's the DDT for like half of the fucking roster. I'm so sick of the fucking DDT. Jake Roberts is pissed on the other, t- on the other station. I invented the DDT. <laughs> and, and drug abuse. Well, there's that. I'm pretty sure he didn't invent it, but he definitely perfected it. Um, so, yeah, that, uh, that, that match was not great. Let's just call a spade a spade here. It just wasn't good. Um, did you did you hear by the way Jr. going on and on about the football background of Tracy's mothers? Look, and and then uh, Paul Heyman calls him on it. I I did not count how many there were, but there was enough that I had to send you a text when I was watching it. Jr. won't stop talking about football for the entirety of this show, and we all know Jr. is a football guy. Boomer Sooners, and and you know he talks about football, makes football references. We also know Jr. likes giving us the backstory of each individual in these matches. Sometimes it's appreciated, but holy shit, everybody's football resume has been put on display in Clash of Champions 13, Thanksgiving Thunder. And yes, Paul Heyman calling Jr. on his shit is wonderful, especially when he bickers back and forth. How JR is like, this ain't football, this is wrestling. And then JR goes on to talk for 47 minutes about football. And Paul Heyman just punctuates with, thought it wasn't football. Dick. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. It, he's the same person on commentary 10 years later when he's with JR during the, the invasion. It's, it's so amazing. I, I love these two. And, and, and I love the fact that, like, because they they come across on TV as two people that legitimately hate each other. And I love the way JR put it. He said, Paul is one of my favorite people in the whole world. He's also one of the people it's most easy to hate when you're working with him because you he it's not like they the 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 nitpicking, the needling, the 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 shit talking to each other, that's not worked out in advance. That's just the two of them riffing off each other and and that's why they're they're the best at what they do. Um and that is, it's like, it's not like done, it's done in order to get the other one's goat. It's done in, other, in order to, to like spur the other one. And it works, for the, especially for the two of them. And man, JR, he's, he starts this show at a 12 and ends at a 92. He is screaming the whole time. And the more he screams, the more Paul just kind of twists that knife a little bit deeper. <laughs> it's, it's really... The commentary is really good in this show. For for a show that that's a pile of hot garbage, the commentary is well worth it. So now that you've um, you know we're f- four weeks into this, around the same time, other channel you have Gorilla and Heenan doing commentary. Right. Who duo. who do you prefer out of the, out of the two? Um, it's weird that you, you bring up that they were on at the same time. Cause I don't think of them that way. Uh, I, I really don't. And it's, it's again, probably because of the way I grew up, I grew up a WWF guy. Um, and I didn't, you know, as a kid really didn't know there was another company, you know, I mean, we were, we were WWF kids. We watched superstars and challenge on the weekends and the pay-per-views four times a year. It's like, that was, that was our bubble. 
And yep. I didn't look at them as, 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 you know, same timeline peers. I, I looked at them as two completely different generations uh, of commentators. And, and so I, it's hard for me to compare like who, who I would prefer because I look at it as, as they call two different eras. Like I don't, I don't, it, it's a weird one. That, that, that's a weird one for me. Cause I don't until recently going back and watching these shows, um, I, I didn't consider Jr. and Paul Heyman like same era commentators as, as Gorilla and Bobby. Um, so I, I don't know. That's a shit. You got me. It's a conundrum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have uh, what's 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 that movie? The uh, the the dream within a dream right now. Inception. Yes, we're gonna have one of those moments right now. I mean, it all it's, it, it's way better than the show. Yeah, because I mean, my my gut would say Gorilla and Bobby, uh, just because Bobby Heenan is literally the 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 funniest, quickest wit, best at what he does. Um, but it's also like when when Jr. and Paul Heyman finally caught up to me, or vice versa, when I finally caught up to them, they they were great calling that you know because. And in WWF, it was a very short-lived thing. It was, you know, in the invasion angle uh, when the King was out. Uh, but that was, like, that commentary, like, WrestleMania 17, to me, like, I, I think, for, first of all, I, I think that's an overhyped uh, WrestleMania. I don't think it's the best of all time. I think it's a very good one. It's a very good show. It's very rewatchable. We're spicy. Show. We're spicy. We're spicy. You know, it is what it is. But, you know, I, th- I think people, um, like, hold that in such high regard uh and and i've watched it i've rewatched it a bunch of times and it's like it's really good it's a really solid head-to-toe show best of all time i don't know uh but what does really stand out is how good the commentary is um because for me with these two with jr and, and paul Heyman, uh jr is like he's he's the best at what he does because he's so invested he's one of the best storytellers in professional wrestling like as as much of a legend as gorilla monsoon is jr is a much better storyteller like he gets you invested and sometimes he goes too far with you know as i said he runs down the football resumes of every single wrestler in this shit show of 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 a fucking show uh but for every one of those where he goes too far it's like you can tell he he adds a depth to these characters that wouldn't be there with other commentators. And that's why JR is really good at what he does. And on the flip side, Paul Heyman is so passionate about wrestling. And he's also so passionate about being a pain in the ass, especially to JR, that they work as good foils to each other. Um, like people talk about JR and the King. And again, iconic duo, absolutely iconic duo. But I, I stopped being on the King and JR train when they were like on air buddies. Like I liked it better when you, when you have the, the play by play guy as the baby split, face, the, split. The, the color guy has to be the heel, you know? So they have to, I hate to use the pun cause we're doing the show, but they have to clash with each other and, and they have to, you know, just really rub each other the wrong way throughout the show in order to invoke more emotion. And especially because this is a good guy and bad guy type of promo, pal, uh, you need the the commentator who's on the good guy side and commentator on the bad guy side. And when Jerry Lawler became um, 
the 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 you know the baby face or or, or just is so revered by the public. The fans loved him so much. It was hard for him to toe that line because he was a beloved commentator, but he was trying to still do like he was still trying to root for the heels and still trying to do heel shit on commentary, but it just wasn't gelling as much. You know, if any of that makes sense, I I hope it does. No, it makes, it makes sense to me. Uh, I, I would give the edge to Heenan and Monsoon just because I feel like they fit what that product was. Yeah. So, so while you were talking, I was kind of thinking of a scenario where the teams were reversed. So essentially you would have Heyman and JR calling WWF at this time. Can you imagine them calling Hogan and warrior? So it just, it's one, one of those interesting things. I think how the product was based fit monsoon and Heenan more, which is sure. probably why I prefer them over JR because JR and Heyman to me are too good for what they're trying to present. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. They they are they are far too good, but uh, it does. Uh, the, they do let, and I think that's why it's hard for me to uh, decide between the two because um, you have to take into account what they're commentating on, and you know it's it's easier for for Monsoon to to do the the quadruplex pasubius muscles. It's an arm, you know that that type of shit when it's all cartoony Hulk Hogan. Same with Heenan and and all his his quips and his jokes, it's easier to do on the cartoony program that is WWF. Whereas JR's knowledge of all these guys, football background and, and Heyman being the, the manager and the, you know, I'm, I'm wheeling and dealing on my phone. I got motor city fat guy in the pool hall. I'm going to go sign him. You know, that shit, it lends itself more to this because this was, I mean, shit, we'll get to the top 10 thing, but this was more real wrestling they, sport. They, did use air quotes um, sport yeah. yeah like they they took it on that more serious level where it wasn't you know and, and I, i've been saying it for four episodes now i i can see that more and more week after week because like i've said for four weeks it's i don't know who the baby face and the heels are in most of these matches they're just both are just kind of vanilla they're both equal parts like getting cheers yep. and also equal parts being dicks and cheating we talked about the last show halloween havoc sting the ultimate baby face little stingers man he's a good role model kick the referee in the gut in the main event it's like that's something that hulk hogan wouldn't do on the other program you know what i mean so it's yep. like yep they and and it's not even like they're doing what 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 happened in like the attitude era where they were blurring the lines and the anti-heroes and all that stuff these guys are just more uh athletes competing and there's a certain level that i do like about that mentality um it it can for for those of us that look at pro wrestling as a television show and uh, tell me a story that like i am um it can muddy the waters a little bit where you have Everybody, and we'll get to the Michael Wall Street, but it kind of plays into it. Everyone's just going after the champion. It doesn't matter who they're wrestling tonight. They're just going after the champion. You know, it's like almost all the promos, and, and we, I think we talked about it on the last one, a lot of the promos on these shows, uh, in my opinion, as someone who's like, tell me a story. Why are you, you going to fight this guy tonight? They kind of suck because they don't tell me any story about tonight. They're just, you know, 
you're going up against, uh, I don't know, I'm just going to pick one, one at random here. Let's see. Uh, oh, it, it's actually, I think it's, uh, no, not our next match, but it's coming up after that. Brad Armstrong and Big Cat. And, and, and Big yeah. Cat comes out and does his promo, which, great. I, I, you know, fucking, I didn't like Curtis Hughes. I didn't like him as Mr. Hughes. I would have loved him as the Big Cat. Like, I loved his promo. I loved the personality. I loved the attitude yeah. he had. Um, Absolutely. He had a he, look to him, for sure. He did. He did, but he didn't give a shit about Brad Armstrong. All he wanted to talk about was Lex Luger, or or, or was he was it Lex Luger or, or, yep. or Sting? Yeah, he was. It, he, so, he, he was everybody, champion. every face, every yeah, face. It, yeah. And 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 throughout the show, we'll, champion, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll you know run him down. But Big Cat interferes in pretty much every match on this show. This was you know class of champions thirteen. The Big Cat ruins everything. Um, but it's like the they don't. I don't know why the Big Cat is fighting Brad Armstrong. Other than the fact that this will move him up one more notch on the top ten rankings of WCW, it's like that. That's it's too sporty for me, I guess. Which is why I have a hard time because I, I am one of those tell me a story. This is a TV show, tell me a story type of guys. Um, which I, it's probably because I grew up a WWF guy. That's how pro wrestling was ingrained in me. If I grew up in a different territory and I was watching you know, WCW or NWA or WCCW or, or any, any AWA, any other ones who treated it more sport-based and more territory wrestling-based rather than the weekly episodic television soap opera that I watched on WWF. I, maybe I would have a different attitude towards it, but I, I am who I am. This leopard ain't changing his spots at this point. Um, is, it stri- is, it, is it stripes? Leopards? Uh, I don't know. I also dot Those... my T's and cross my eyes. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, see, yeah. Yeah, see. Um so yeah, the, so the first match I'm I'm glad we did that discussion cuz I didn't want to talk about the first match at all. Um so we we go to uh Sting, of course. Sting is all fired up. He's wearing a sweet denim jacket. And uh I I love the I love the look of the jacket too. I, was it airbrushed with uh, his face on the back too? Oh yeah, it's 1990. Yeah, of course it was. Not only was it was the jacket airbrushed, uh, we did a lot of pre-show talking. I can't remember if we've already mentioned it on the show or not. Um, have we talked about the floating sting head? We did. We talked about that, but we can discuss it again on cause... the ramp. Like <laughs> I saw it, and I'm like, oh, okay, because Sting was out, and that was kind of the first time I noticed it. And I noticed it again during the Black Scorpion shit. I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. And then I get to the main event. And it's like, why is the sting head still up there during Flair Butch Reed? Like, and then I'm like, wait a minute. And I kind of bloop, 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 scrolled back. And I'm like, that fucking thing is just sitting at the entrance ramp. It's just Sting's head in a black and white image. Like, no reason. There's no special staging. It's just, here's some oddly placed WCW logos and then Sting's big head. And I'm like, Oh well, yeah. Okay, production value. There you go. <laughs> I think I think it did. I think it did have some value because Sting, in essence, is the face of WCW. So his face is everywhere with the WCW logo that looked like they didn't put it on the track right way. It was sloping slightly to the left. Uh, I don't know if that's a common occurrence, but I will keep my eyes out of the WCW logo as we go forward. It was sloped to the left. Yeah, well, uh, 
face of the company on the nose, I guess it's WCW's Clash Champions. We're on the nose, um, but he's very fired up. He can't wait to be face to face with the Black Scorpion, and uh, uh, that's about it. We're gonna wrap it up. Okay, cool. And Tony Schiavone throws it to commercial, and then uh, the Black Scorpion's voice comes over, and I know what they were trying to do, like. <laughs> I know what they were. The Black Scorpion was going to interrupt the show. That's what because they had already pulled the graphics up. They were going to go to commercial break, and Tony had already wrapped. Jr. was kind of doing his go. Oh, okay, coming up next, and then all of a sudden, Sting. And then everyone just stops. Nobody's speaking. Dead air, pal. And they're all looking in the wrong directions. It's like Sting's looking up. Tony's looking down. And then Shivani just starts babbling into the microphone. I don't know what he was saying, but I think he was saying, oh, if that, if that sounds like the Black Scorpion. And the Black Scorpion's talking. So now everyone's talking over each other. First, nobody talks. Then everybody talks. And then nobody talks. And then everybody talks. And it just, it's like, come on. Did, did nobody tell Shivani, hey, when the Black Scorpion starts talking, shut the fuck up. Okay? Don't, don't. And then... Also, hey, Oli, when you start talking, just kind of go. Just keep going because you're not going to be out there. There's no black scorpion out there. It's just a you know disembodied voice here. And he's like, Stern, I'm going to show you my black magic later. In the danger zone. In the danger zone. Like, ugh, it's just this fucking gimmick, man. Um, so this yeah. is also being billed, Mike, as the first face-to-face uh, encounter of the Black Scorpion he and Sting. No. It's not. It's definitely not. But I mean, he kidnapped the girl on the last show, and and poorly tried to make her disappear. He was on the ramp at the at the the second show we did, uh, the last Clash of Champions. Uh, so it's not. They've they've definitely been around each other. He's been threatening his life weekly on television. I think they've I think they've shown up at house shows as well. I, I think I've seen some videos yeah. on YouTube. Yep. So no, it's and and they're showing like that's like it would be one thing if they like kept all of that separate and that was just us nerds looking it up on the internet thirty fucking years later. But they show it in the package. They show Sting and the Black Scorpion twenty feet apart from each other, face to face, in the video package. You can't say this is the first face-to-face when you de- just showed us it's not. This happened last but week they when they were face-to-face. And now tonight, first time face-to-face. Uh, what? what? Well, two, two things with that, Mike. Two things with that, Mike. This is yeah. the first time in the danger zone. I cannot emphasize enough. We are going into the danger zone. That but secondly, the Jack. target demo... Target demos all got uh, Alzheimer's anyway. So they probably don't remember that they already had a face-to-face four times already. I thought I saw this already in St. Louis. No, all right. Well, there's going to be a winner. Sign of my dropping dick. (laughs) (laughs) So somebody get pops his soup. He's fucking dribbling. Uh, Okay, so yeah, so that 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 kind of sucked. Flying Brian Pillman. Uh, God, this guy was so good. I know I said on our first show, uh, but Brian Pillman, my God, he was he's a fucking fantastic wrestler uh, uh such an uh, i guess underrated uh but you know it's a shame uh that we lost him a shame he yeah. got injured but, absolutely but 
your buddy, nature boy, Buddy Landell. Where's your tattoo, buddy? Where's the Skid Row tattoo, bro? Snake. It's not there. Snake. Snake. JR spent 10 minutes in the last last fucking match talking about your brand new tattoo. Where is it, buddy? What did Skid Row tell you? Hey, cut the shit, man. Don't don't fucking rope us in with you. We don't like you. You want to talk about somebody? You... People hate you. We, we're getting death threats because of you. If if you can't win that big match against Tom Zink, Tom take that Zink. tattoo off. You can't beat the Z-Man. We're going to rub that shit off. And pull a Sons of Anarchy and burn it off your body, even though it's just a fucking magic marker. Uh, All right. So, your boy, Buddy Landell. Way, 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 way too much Ric Flair talk in this match. Talking about how Flair trained... Flying Brian, how Flair trained and worked with Buddy Landell, and that's why he's the nature boy. I'm throwing out my like, dinner again. I, I did like how Heyman uh, was, was saying shit like, like he was kind of calling him out. He's, he's like, he's basically a clone of Ric Flair. And, and yeah, it, it was, I think there was part of it was tongue in cheek, um, especially with stuff like that. Like, oh, he's, he's a Ric Flair clone. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about the Buddy Landell uh, Nature Boy gimmick. I know we tried to look it up on our first episode, and it just sounds like he he wanted to do a Nature Boy gimmick. <laughs> it, does, but, it doesn't sound any deeper than that. Um, I'm sure it is, and I'm sure some of the diehards are going to start tweeting at us. By all means, let me know. Give me the backstory on fucking Nature Boy Buddy Landell. I can't wait. Uh, oh yeah, I, I want to hear it. I, I want to hear it. I want to read it because I'll read the, that over the, my next bout of food poisoning. The, this 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 Ric Flair clone thing. It's like multiplicity, and yeah. we're at the like the eighth copy of Ric Flair, and this guy's got <laughs> eating paste in the corner. Yes. Uh, he's the fourth clone of Ric Flair. <laughs> I'm going to eat a dolphin, Steve. <laughs> I'm gonna <break> <laughs> You're going to pet a dolphin. Yeah, I'm going to eat a dolphin. No! <laughs> Touch that pet. <laughs> I love such, that movie. Such a, such a fucking good movie. I it's love that movie. movie. That is such a great underrated movie. Multiplicity. Go fucking check that out. It's better than this show. Um, all right. Uh, so, yeah. Flying Brian got the win, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it was what it was. Like I said, uh, flying Brian is, is, is awesome. Like, like I got, he's, the, these are the, the, I guess the best thing I can say about doing this black scorpion series is picking out people. I want to go back and check out more of, and like, I want to go yeah, back absolutely. and watch some more, uh, Brian Pillman matches. Um, cause I mean, I, I loved his shit that he did in ECW and then he came over to WWF, but at that point he had already been hurt and he was, you know, limited and all that stuff. Uh, so I want to see more of like young Brian Pillman and then see him work with Steve Austin and shit like that. That's the stuff I want to go back and take a look at. Um, yeah, he definitely, he definitely gets a, a, a push um, in the uh, 91, 92 area with a feud with the dangerous Alliance and things like that. So he gets more heavily involved, but just when that 93 window hit, that's when him and Austin got forced into the team and whatnot. But he had a little bit of a main event run. I'd like to check. Yeah, I definitely want to go check out more of uh, of Brian Pillman stuff. Uh, that will bring us to 
let's see. Oh, the big cat and uh, Brad Armstrong. Does, yep. does this Armstrong brother have a gimmick, or is he just Brad uh, Armstrong? I know. Is no, he I think he's. The, I think we got the kid. I think he is the Candy Man. All right, he's um, the kid. He's, he's got a. My, yes, my notes. Candy my Man notes confirmed. Let me see. Uh, Candy Man Candyman confirmed. confirmed. All right, cool. Candy Man confirmed. Uh, all right, versus the big cat. Um, yeah, I, I like I said earlier, uh, I was I never really liked Mr. Hughes. Uh, I thought it was a very generic bodyguard heavy type of character. Um, I, I definitely liked the big cat a hell of a lot more. Uh, I really wish I, yeah. I could have seen this guy, you know, this this personality because Mr. He like that was that was my first takeaway because this is the first time I'm actually seeing the big cat incarnation. Um, when I was watching it, I'm like, oh shit, that guy looks like Mr. Hughes, and he starts talking. I'm like, there's no way Mr. Hughes never talked. Like I never heard that guy speak, and then of course I Google him. I'm like, that's Mr. Hughes. What the hell? Why didn't they let that guy talk? He's got personality for days. Fucking see, you know, you yep. see, that's what we're missing. We need we need Mr. Hughes to go back as the big cat and come out and do a brass ring glass ceiling promo on fucking impact or whatever the hell you're going to put him on next. Because that's what he was reaching for that brass ceiling as the big cat or the brass. Yes. You, yes. Know what I'm saying. you know, what I'm saying. he deserves it. How's how's uh I don't want to talk too much. He he might be dead. <laughs> let me let me just double check. Like here we are. Oh, he's, oh, he's so, still alive. He's fifty five oh, years good. old. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Like uh, like. So how, he's how, still how got it. Twitch channel going. <laughs> he's still got it. Uh, stupid stupid chance. Ah, uh, awful. I'm trying to get yourself over. So uh, here's here's a little funny cro- cross production moment here. So I took it upon myself. My son's my son's seventy, starting to watch wrestling with me a little bit. So WWF put on the Superstars episodes from ninety two ninety three. I'm at the point now where Mr. Hughes, oddly enough, debuts. So I'm doing this and seeing him as the big cat, while conversely seeing him as Mr. Hughes. And a million times over, he should have stayed as. The big cat. He he was. The look was way better than the uh, driving Miss Daisy scenario that he had going on. Yeah, and and he and he spoke and he had personality. It wasn't like he was a stiff. Like there's a lot of bad promos in this show, and he wasn't one of them. Like he was really good. Um, but yeah, yeah, shit happens, I guess. But uh, yeah, the big again, the big thing. He doesn't give a shit. He's fighting Brad Armstrong. He just wants Lex Luger. Uh, all right, cool. So he beats the Candyman in. Uh... Okay, so here uh, now I'm remembering. All right, so he puts the Candyman in the torture rack, uh, which is of course Lex Luger's move. Um, yep. And he starts, you know, doing the bouncing up and down, bouncing up and down, and the ref calls the match. And Paul Heyman's like, "Oh, he gave up." And I'm thinking, like, "All right, fine, he gave up. It's, it's a submission move. It's not a big deal. It's fucking." Candyman Brad Armstrong. What do we give a shit? JR lost every part of his shit for the next seven straight <laughs> minutes. He was screaming. Brad Armstrong would never. Like, he treated it like Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. Brad Armstrong would never give up. He would never quit. He's never given up in his life. I'm like, what did I miss about the Candyman Brad Armstrong that is making JR way too hot for this moment right here? Like, why is. Like, I thought that they were trying to get the big cat over i thought that was his star making moment why are we like really making brad armstrong yeah. this iron man stone cold steve austin type like i yeah. didn't get it i 
didn't like again jr was he, he started at a 12 he's he's at about a 72 right now we got about halfway to go um yeah that i just didn't understand it but again you know no jr, JR, and, JR and paul they're doing their best they're trying to make the best out of this shit show um <clears throat> so i got a couple of uh, tidbits on this match um sure. number one jr said so many said Candyman so many times I was waiting for some flies to jump out randomly and attach to his face. Secondly, the Candyman versus Big Cat sounds like it's a DC movie, like porn movie parody of like the Justice League or whatever. And you have the Candyman banging the Big Cat. This is just the horrible parody ever. (laughs) Candyman versus the Big Cat. Oh, Jesus. That is. That's that's bad stuff. Um, anything else on the Candyman versus the Big Cat? Um, he hates Lex Luger. Hates everyone. 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 <laughs> it's almost like a time machine. Yeah. Deported. It's almost like they, it's almost like they know something from the. Yeah. Thunder. What, what uh, could what could happen? What could ha- what could have happened? Uh, but yeah, no. Everybody hates Lex Luger, rightfully so. Glad Stan Hansen spit his shit on his chest. Um. Oh no, he just pinned him. Yeah, that's the same difference. Whatever. Yeah, tomato, potato. Very slippery. Um, all right, so let's see. Ba, 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 ba. Uh, this is where I've been kind of mildly referencing it all night. We get our Dick the Bruiser <laughs> promo here, <laughs> pimping out uh, Starcade. Uh, I'm gonna be a referee at Starcade, and there's gonna be a winner. Uh, Dick, I know you've been wrestling a long time. I don't know if anybody told you, but. Every time two men step into a wrestling ring, there's expected to be a winner. Thank you for letting us know there will be one at Starcade. Don't know what match he's refereeing, but he's going to be there, and he's going to be refereeing. I know Dick the Bruise is a legend. I'm making fun of a legend, but that's what we do here. Get with the program. We're going to be here for a while. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't know what they're trying to... I don't know who they're trying to sell Starcade to. It definitely wasn't me, and it definitely wasn't me in 1990. Uh, and I'm a wrestling no. fan and was a wrestling fan in 1990, and I don't know who they're trying to... It, it gets worse. Um... Oh boy, does it ever! Because they had that video package of you know the the lead up order Starcade. You know you have this match, this match, and this match. Yeah. I could give a fuck less watching this thing. I'm like, this is a reason not to buy it. Well, well, the the big the big selling point they kept pushing was uh, that tag team tournament. We'll get to in a little bit. It's yeah. like twelve teams that nobody's ever heard of. Who gives a shit? Yep. Yeah. None of them. None of them work for the company. No, no. It's the Steiners. It's it's basically here's That's the it. Steiner exhibition show. <laughs> That's it. It's the Steiner Invitational. It would have been a better name, and it would have fucking sold the show better. Uh, but you know what? I wasn't booking back in 1990. Um, all right. So Dick the Bruiser scares everybody, and then we go to uh, oh our boy the Z Man versus yeah. Prime Time Brian Lee. Uh, There's a who- name. There's a name. He, he would go on to much bigger fame uh, in ECW as primetime Brian Lee. He would also play the fake Undertaker in 94. Uh, he was also Chains in, uh, I think it was DOA, and, and briefly in, when, when the nation had like 47 people before they just pared it down to yeah. you know, the five guys. Uh, when they had that, like, it was the, the, little, the little rap group, PG-13, they had them, yep. and, and Chains was in, in the nation for a minute. But that was, that's Brian Lee. Uh, so he had he had a, a much better career than this match gives him credit for. Uh, what this match did do, it gave the Z-Man his first win on our show. And it also gave him the best botch I've seen 
of the of the series so far. I'm and, glad you brought it up. Yes. Well, I I, 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 I provide a service here. Yeah. Thirty minutes, thirty seconds. You just hear, "Hello, darkness, my old friend." <laughs> Fucking tries to do a springboard moonsault. And Brian Lee's having a cigarette in the corner, and he's not okay. even in the fucking... I didn't know what I just watched, okay? Because now, to the, to the common person, to the person who's watching it, like myself, for the first time, something, there's, there's a little there's a back, some back and forth mix-up, and yeah, and Brian yep. Lee gets knocked into the corner, like the far corner of the ring, and Z-Man hops up on the, the opposite corner's top rope, and yeah, does a springboard moonsault flip. I thought, okay, here's what I thought when I saw him go into the air. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting point for a, cel- a flippy celebration. Because it looked like he was doing like the wild man Mark Marrow type of flip off yeah. the top rope type of thing, like Absolutely. a celebration. I'm like, you haven't won shit yet. What are you? And all of a sudden he lands. I'm like, oh, he was trying to hit him? Even RVD doesn't have the balls to try that fucking move. Like, no, he was so far. And like you said, Brian Lee's watching it happen, sees him go splat. And then basically you could hear his thoughts go, oh, shit, I better sell. And he just kind of throws himself at Z-Man's body. <laughs> it's like, this was... It was the earthquake that took him down. The aftershock took him down. Like, it... I don't know. What, and, and yeah, you could hear it again. JR and, and Paul just trying to do their best to sell this shit. And, and he's like, oh, he, he must must have really tried to miss him or hit him or something. I don't know. He, he really tried hard. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that any credit. But he, he, they tried to sell it because it was unsellable. It was awful. He, he tried to jump from not even like what you know like i said rvd or now shane mcmahon does the the coast to coast of the van terminator whichever way you call it no no because at least that's from one side of the ring to the other side of the ring he went diagonally across the ring so i know this is audio but brian lee's in one corner and diagonally across the ring not beside him not on not on a 90 degree angle across the ring diagonally and does like yeah a springboard moonsault flippy thing and i'm like Oh, that, that was such a mistake. <laughs> oh, and he wins. Yes, with a horrible drop kick to, to boot. It's just, as soon as it happened, the, they should have just been like, you know what? Fucking, we're out of here. <laughs> it's fucking horrible. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you yeah. doing? That was so awful. Um, yeah, <laughs> Brian Brian Lee has a much better career after this. I mean, I'm not saying he sets the world on fire, but he he has better matches. This is not a great yes jumping off point for primetime Brian Lee. Um, <clears throat> all right, oh here we go. <laughs> Ike Rotundo, don't call me ever again, Mike Rotundo. I am. I legally changed my name to Michael Wall Street. I inherited money. I do not have a boat anymore. I am going to the ring, and I will tell you a story on Saturday. Okay, let me get into Michael Wall Street real fucking quick here. Um, as someone who knows a little bit about acting, um, I could not take my eyes off of uh, Mike Rotunda's uh, eyeballs. 
because he was darting all over the place the way someone does in like day one community theater when they're really trying hard because they have a long monologue and they have to remember their lines. He was all over the place. And he was because he had so much information and this was his first appearance as this character. And he had a new executive assistant. She's not a manager. She's not a valet. She's an executive assistant. Miss Alexandra York. He called her Alexander, by the way. Caught that one. He did. Yep. This is Alexander York. Uh, Alexandra. Yeah. (laughs) That too. Uh, She's an assistant. And... uh, yeah, so he had so much information to get out in in a very in a thirty second promo. Uh, I mean, he got all he got it all out. I will give him credit. He did remember his lines. He just didn't deliver them. He he delivered them as if someone is literally remembering every single word. And he's you can see his eyes bugging out of his head. He's sweating profusely. He's just like, and remember, remember hit Saturday night because we get the Saturday night show. Okay, all right. So and I will tell yeah. you my entire story on Saturday night. Oh, my, my shit, my assistant's over here. Okay, And I have a new executive assistant, Alexander York. God damn it, I fucked up her name. Uh, say something. And I loved his motioning. He's very, he's very telegraphing with his motioning. He's just always yes. moving his hands back and forth in a very, as, it, as, as, if, as if he was doing the robot or was a, you know, an animatronic at Disney World. He's, he's very, very deliberate with his motioning. Um, what is what is uh, Terry Runnels here holding as Alexandra York? Looks like some sort of uh, quote unquote laptop, but it looks it, like a uh, fucking toy you buy. It's like uh, a fake computer. A laptop computer. Got a, she's, she's into technology, and she's got she's got reports on all our wrestlers, and she's got a laptop. It, it looked like a word processor, possibly even a typewriter. Like that shit did not plug into anything. <laughs> no, nope, nope. And the fact that she's sitting at ringside in 1990, literally before the internet, banging on a computer as if they have Wi-Fi back then. <laughs> what? I get it. Again, Terry was doing their best. And yeah, we before we started recording, we we watched the Saturday night show, the uh, the Michael Wall Street biopic. Um, Greed is this. Um, and uh, yeah, Ter- Terry did a good job. Uh, she she definitely she sold it a hell of a lot better. Again, Mike Rotunda, damn fine wrestler. Not not a good actor. Yep. Not a good actor no. at all. Can't remember his lines for shit. I mean, I, I, although I should say he he remembers the words. He just can't deliver them. He delivers them like I said, like an animatronic. He's just kind of moving and saying the words. Oh, you need to. It's it's almost like um, it's like George McFly at the end of Back to the Future, where he's just like, "Hey, you, get your damn hands off her!" Now, he was supposed to be reciting lines, and George was supposed to be a bad actor, but that's how Michael Wall Street was actually portrayed. Um, so, <laughs> yep, fucking guy. We're in a boardroom. Um, and he's got like six people around the table. Uh, I'm still convinced that this is young Kevin Smith sitting at the table asking him what he wants to do with his $2 million in Zurich, uh, in the bank in Zurich, and roll it over and let it stay. And business, business talk, business talk, sell high, buy low. It's going to end up, I, it's, it was shit. Uh, again, and, 
and the weird thing about it is um, they're selling it as if uh, Mike Rotunda has inherited a bunch of money from a dead relative. And that has yep. turned him, uh, instead of what you would expect it to do, uh, turn him from a, you know, I don't know, a naval captain to a spoiled brat. Uh, he's, he's to an asshole. Turned into a stockbroker? Maybe. Kind of? Hedge fund guy? I, I don't know. Look, someone he, saw he the movie was... Wall Street way too fucking much because they even used the greed is good quote in this thing. Um, but he's sitting in, as you, you did the research. It was Ted Turner's office. Yeah, so I um, did a little research after this because um, I fell into the rabbit hole of related videos on, on the tube there. And I watched, I watched the shoot promo that Marlena had a handful of years ago with, with Tommy Dreamer of all fucking people. Um, he was interviewing her, or we, they yeah. were interv- doing an interview together. No, he was interviewing her, so it was some sort of shoot interview, or maybe a, a Twitch show, or, or some shit he has. So he, she brings up the point that it was Ted Turner's office. There was an inside reference to the Fink, and um, that she also dropped the bombshell that Rotunda didn't want to do this gimmick at all. I can which, see that in his eyes. <laughs> I mean, I can see it in his eyes, but he also had had the intensity. Like, if he missed a word, like he would have to go back to Atlanta, and Ole Anderson would have to cut his inner thigh with a knife because he fucked something up. Like he just had that kind of fear when he was doing uh, these promos. Like, like I said, he looked terrified. <laughs> yeah, and, he didn't and, look like a confident, rich businessman commanding this office. Also, the actors that they got to sit around the table with them. The way they were just dismissively shaking their heads at him, like that yeah. shit wouldn't fly in, with, no. with what this character is supposed to be. Because theoretically, I mean, this this character is supposed to be Gordon Gecko or Vince McMahon, basically. Uh, and like these people being dismissive and, and shitty towards him, like just kind of shaking their head and, uh, you know, like he they'd be fired and possibly shot in the dick. Yep. <laughs> like, they would be taken out back and put in a dumpster somewhere. Like there were, it was the '90s. You could do stuff like that and get away with it. There wasn't a Twitter machine, um, but yeah, uh, it, she she did okay. Uh, t- Terry Terry yeah. did her job as far as far, she did the best she could do uh, with what she was working with, um, including two computers and a word processor that are apparently all tethered together for some reason uh, in this Michael Wall Street biopic. Um, she, they come over and she looks straight into camera and goes, uh, we have invested large amounts of money into technology. And then sits down at one computer, type, 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 type. Turns to another second computer, type, 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 type. And then turns and pushes a button on a, I know it's a word processor. And... It just starts printing as if she typed something into the first computer. The information transferred to the second computer. She continued and typed more as if there was so much information it couldn't just be stored on one computer. And then she had to type again and hit a button. And then that information was then spit out into a printer that wasn't a printer because it was a word processor. I owned one. <laughs> you know? uh, and, and, and then he looks at it and, and they were supposed to be getting, I don't know, detailed documents on Lex Luger because everyone hates Lex Luger and he looks at the paper and goes 
this is perfect. <laughs> Maniacal laugh. And it's just like, what? Like, what? I, you know, you saw the paper when they ripped it off. It had about eight fucking words typed on it. I don't know what it said. Like, they probably, It was actually probably a fax from Oli going, you're fucking up and I'm going to fire you when you're done. <laughs> It, it could, it could I'm, say I'm heating up my <laughs> coat hanger for you right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the printout could have said, go back in time, save Elizabeth. I'm trying to swallow water for fuck's sake. <laughs> yes. That's, that's the whammy in the room. Everybody hates Lex Luthor yeah. because he killed Elizabeth. <laughs> I guess we should probably say allegedly because you know he might. Live. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah allegedly, no, nope, that yeah. was ever found. Yeah, disclaimer. Yeah, he hasn't been erased from WWE. I guess. Uh, no. Any, any so movie? one, one, one more thing on this one, and we, we made a couple of movie references on this. This reminds me of the scene in the the epic movie Freddy Got Fingered, where Tom Green was trying to press the girl. By wearing the suit and had the kitchen phone about selling stocks and bonds and all this other shit. Like, th th this is just, it tickles me because it reminds me of that scene, just someone trying to pretend to be this guy that they're clearly not comfortable being. Here's, here's the problem with that. What you just described is basically Paul Heyman's character right now. I don't know if you saw it in the opening, but he was sitting there with a car phone. And he had the cord down his sleeve. Like an actual phone that was supposed to go into your car and plug into your car. He had, I get it, that was Paul's gimmick. He had the phone, but he he literally must have ripped it out of his goddamn car on the way to the show. Because you could see the cord tucked into his sleeve cuff. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, that that's what that's what you did back then. You know, he's a... He's a Big city New Yorker. He's got um, He's wheeling and dealing. He's making phone calls. He's making deals, man. He's making you know contracts. Got to be signed. Prospects got to be scouted. I got stocks buy sell high low orange juice something. I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, again, they watch Wall Street <laughs> trading places and and they just uh, they thought yeah we can do that. <laughs> fucking yeah, we got, we got a oh bunch my God, of. I, I was, I... <laughs> I, I was just going to pass out when you brought up orange juice. That's such a good reference. We, we got a bunch of used office equipment that our interns are about to throw out. Put it in Ted's office. Michael Wall Street's going to type some stuff. <laughs> and then what I love even more is you have the fucking montage at the end of it where they're just replaying the footage that just happened 10 seconds ago while pointing at graphs. With the like the 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 B version of the Dallas theme song, which sounds like JBL's music going on. This is a fucking it's like six minutes long. This looking for this is better than watching this fucking show, I'll tell you that. Oh, seriously. Yeah. The, the, definitely to spend six minutes watching the Michael Wall Street biopic. Do not watch Clash of Champions 13. That would be my main uh, uh anyway. He had a match. I think that's what we were getting at. Uh, oh yeah, somewhere, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so he got he anyway, uh him and uh him and Alexandra York, uh not Alexander, Alexandra York go to the ring. She's got her she got her laptop computer, uh and uh, they notes. go, they go over notes. notes and graphs. They they push the cameraman away. 
Uh, and then they take Michael takes uh, about 47 minutes to take off every article of clothing he has on. He's wearing obviously an 87 piece suit. Uh, strips down to his red singlet. So we're back to just you know generic wrestler X over here. And uh, uh, he has a match with Star. Put a, put a dollar sign. Put a fucking dollar sign. You lazy. I mean, at fuck. least he had an anchor on Come the on. last one. Yeah, do something <laughs> like like super glue a dollar to your ass. Like give me give me some money reference. You you don't, you don't have uh, the 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 my first gimmick playset back there. Get, get the iron on dollar sign, man. And where's your initials on your boots? <laughs> Yeah, you're not you're not rich enough to afford initials on your boots. You may want to call Mr. Harvey because he's not selling at sixty five or whatever the fuck it is. God, he's gonna end up twisting pretzels on forty second. Hey, there's a reference, New York. I'm a rich guy. Um, yeah, Starblazer. Who uh, who did you say it was? Who's, he was a uh, white lightning. <laughs> he is white lightning. Tim Horner. Uh, who, who's who's this? <laughs> This is, this is so fucking crazy. It's a parallel universe. He's he's with the Candyman fighting crime, but he moonlights as the Starblazer. He is in the tag team top ten list as the Candyman's tag team partner. White Lightning Tim Horner is also Starblazer, which you said was supposed to be ripping on Blue Blazer. Was was Owen doing yeah. that at this time? He was doing the the Blue Blazer. That was. Because I figured it was just it was just like off of uh, that old Nintendo wrestling game. It was like Mister Wrestling Two or something. It was just a pink guy with a star on his face. No, no, this was definitely their uh, their their Pepsi to the Coke of uh, Owen Hart. Um, now, did you know uh, the Starblazer? Petulant little children, aren't they? Yes. Jesus Christ! <laughs> did, now, did you know Tim Horner had a little business relationship with Cornette? And uh, he, they they separated because he stole a fucking truck. Wait, are you being serious here? Or? I'm dead serious. I'm like dead not serious. gimmick Tim Horner, not not White Lightning Tim Horner. No, like, actually the man. Yeah, him and, him and Jim Cornette had a side hustle, and he stole yeah. a truck. Yeah, they were doing Smoky Mountain together, and oh. um, they uh, he left the promotion after quote several incidents, including a stolen truck ring, prompting Jim Cornette to cease booking him. Well, that'll teach him, I guess. Yeah. So, so he was on the dark side the whole time. He was never a good superhero. He was he was a bad superhero. <laughs> he was stealing the truck to ship Earl Hebner's gimmick T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where Ali Gandhi ended up. The yeah. Freebirds put it in a stolen truck. They were too high. They thought it was a mail truck. It was just Earl Hebner's T-shirt truck. <laughs> Oh my god, this is tremendous! But by, by the way, so so we we got this match going on. The hype in the WCW fan club. Did you <laughs> ever did you ever sign up for a fan club in WWF or, or anything like that, where you got the uh, mixtape in the mail? Maybe I might. I I mean I I don't remember, but I remember the WWF fan club being a thing enough that I probably did it one time. Yeah, so the year I did it was 95, and one of the entrance songs on it was King Mabel's theme song. So 
if you want to waste four and a half minutes of just listening to, I swear to God, it is the generic boom, 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 like with sirens over it, police sirens for four and a half minutes. This is what they gave you when you signed up with the fucking fan club. They gave you this tape of this rubbish. But the fact that the WCW had a fan club, I'm going to do some Googling this week and see if I can find the, the fan club starter kit and see what was uh, involved in that. But again, much like all the things that WCW is promoting at this time, they take an exorbitant amount of time to explain every fucking detail to the point you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't want this anymore. I thought I did, but you guys are still talking. I don't want this. It's like, we got a brand new fan club. It's like, oh, no. They're going to have to explain. And you no. got to mail, mail a self-addressed stepped envelope to this address. It's in the it's in the CNN Towers where all my friends work. And happy Thanksgiving to all my friends in Atlanta. Like, oh, my God. Stop kissing ass. Stop kissing CNN's ass. He mentioned the CNN people like eight times this show. Like, I get it, man. You want Turner to take knowledge that was on T- TBS or TNT. It was on one of them because this was on TV, which probably explains why they were pushing the Atlanta shit so hard. Um, although I did love Heyman going like, I, you couldn't pay me to spend Thanksgiving in Atlanta. <laughs> and JR's like, well, I'm going to do it. I'll do it happily. It's like, yeah, you would. <laughs> yeah. I love these two. Um, but yeah, so match ends. Like a Wall Street yeah. ends with uh, the the Wall Street crash, which is a Samoan drop. Yes. So so prior to that is the attempt of the roll through Boston Crab that gets completely fucking butchered, which led to a kick and then the the Pearl River Plunger, whatever the fuck it is. So on the hype video for that they show on Saturday night, which was a yes. few nights after this. The, the origin story, they, they give you the lead in JR and Bob, who just came out of the freezer. They, they go into this package. <laughs> My from, God, Bob, I thought you were dead. <laughs> just a little stiff, JR. So, so they go chilly. To, I heard Heyman doesn't want to work Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the video package highlighting the match. They leave in that he fucks up the Boston crab <laughs> before. So they don't edit it out. They, they, they show it again in the replay after the match. They just don't know what the fuck is happening with how to, how to get something prepared. Quality is absolutely shit. Like it, it is. And I'm, I'm having too much fun with all the side bullshit on this to, to really get into the production stuff. I think I'm saving it all for the, the black scorpion part of this show. Uh, but it's, yeah, the production is bad. It's just bad WCW production quality. Um, <clears throat> what else do we got going on? Yeah, so Michael Wall Street uh, hits a Samoan drop that he calls the Wall Street crash. Get it? <laughs> did, did I say Pearl River Plunge? Yeah, you did. That's all uh, right. Yeah. Close, close <laughs> it's not close enough, man. Pearl River Plunge are completely different. I get it, nerds. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're supposed to be funny and entertaining, so you can pop your pimples while listening to us. We are going to get no listeners after this one. Um, So then we go, uh, we cut the Gordon Soley on what I believe was a pre-tape, but holy shit, it took forever. Gordon Soley runs down the WCW top 10 rankings for the tag teams and singles. Oh. Boy, editing. They need it. 
a lot. <laughs> maybe they can get a loan from uh, maybe maybe they can get a loan from Michael Wall Street since he invested in technology. technology. They can buy a video <laughs> video editor. In the tenth spot, Norman the Lunatic and the Juicer. I feel there is a story with those two that I don't know and I want to know. Norman the Lunatic yep. and yep. the Juicer. Really? That's yes. a team that we have not seen yet. And I am, as we're speaking, I'm putting Norman the Lunatic and the Juicer into the Google machine. Um, Norman the Lunatic, I've heard of. I've heard is of it an actual, like, is it a person or is it like a physical juicer? That he's the, the, carrying around with him. I'm actually looking for the juicer because uh, Norman the Lunatic, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is Bastion Booger from, yes. from WWF. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's him. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's find. Where's Norman the Lunatic? Art Bar is the juicer. Uh, let's see. Art Bar. So let's put Art Bar into Google because I'm not getting a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. And while, while you're Googling that, I just want to bring up to the listeners here that I'm pretty confident that Gordon Soli died four times while trying to deliver the two top tens because, yeah, just while I was reading, it was uh, weekend at Bernie's Esh. Okay. So I got, I got a quick story on, uh, on Art Bar's The Juicer. It's worse than you thought. Um, okay. So, in order to avoid copyright problems, um, they changed the name of Art Bar's character to the Juicer because it was Beetlejuice. What? Yep. He based his character on Beetlejuice, and it looks like, I'm watching a video of, uh, Art Bar's Beetlejuice versus Scotty the Body. You know him as Raven. Um, from 1990 and, uh, it looks like, yeah, he's really trying to do it, but it looks like, um, I don't know. It's bad. It's like bad Halloween. It's like you, you want it to be Beetlejuice for Halloween and you forgot and on the morning of October 31st, you grabbed as much shit as you could find and you put together a costume. That's what yep. the juicer is. It's oh, the spirit, just... spirit Halloween special. That's so sad because when I first heard Gordon Soli say uh, Norman the Lunatic and the juicer, I'm like, wow, they really leaned into it. huh? They're just gonna... I, I was expecting some muscle-bound dude who's on, on the juice. But no, I guess we're not going to do that. No, so no. the juicer... It's just Beetlejuice. Well, it's a bootleg what? Beetlejuice, basically. By the way, we got a lot of uh, a lot of Michael Keaton uh, references going on this week. I mean, we didn't expect this one. Yeah, what the hell? I'm watching some juicer videos. I I'm, I could be here all night. I'm I'm, I'm going to move on because we're still on the ninth position. Big Cat and the Motor City Mad Men. First of all, what? First what? of all. Motor City Madman hasn't debuted in WCW yet. How the fuck are they already number nine on the tag team list? And the Big Cat just debuted like an hour ago. Uh, I mean, Big Cat seemed like he was already kind of established, but Motor City Madman, like they literally show Paul Heyman signing this guy later in the show. 
Uh, so apparently they're number nine, or as Gordon slowly put it, in the ninth position. What do you in think the their team? Eighth. What do you What do you think their team name was? By the way, since they both hate Lex Luger, you think it was like the Lex Dispress? Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I'm I'm thinking it's called. I don't know who this guy is. Is he telling me my tag team partner? I've never met this man before. <laughs> it's it's the two. You think you, you think Oli was on the shitter and someone walked in and be like, "Hey, I need a tag team to fight." So, oh fuck, I'm taking a shit. Big cat and whatever. <laughs> Big cat and that fat guy that Heyman just signed. <laughs> He hasn't debuted yet. Do you think I care? <laughs> Have Gordon Soli read it. People will love that shit. Um, okay. In the eighth position. I swear to God, that's how he's reading it. White Lightning, Tim Horner, and the Candy Man, Brad Armstrong. I shit you not. Shit you not. This is this is amazing. In the seventh position. He did this for every single one of them. And there's fucking 22 names to read off. Okay? Including the two champions of each division. In the seventh position, Master Blasters. In the sixth position, Wild-Eyed Southern Boys. In the fifth position... Ricky Morton and Tommy Wildfire Rich. The, the, now this list is bullshit. Like at, at this point, like these five. two fucking Nimrods are five, it, they, and they're only together because uh, Robert Gibson's out. Like they've only been a team yep. for a month. Wow, they're ranking. They're really they're running through these teams. In the fourth position, <laughs> the fabulous Freebirds. In the third position, I love he calls it a position. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the Nasty Boys in the second position Ric Flair and Arn Anderson in the first position the United States Tag Team Champions the Steiner Brothers and the World Champions Doom so it's Singles the top 11 it's the top, it's the top 11 Both, uh, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. They, they, they probably missed a, a word or two in there. It's probably supposed. I don't know. You know. <sighs> Let's not try to explain it. We got eleven more names to read. <laughs> and you, you, yeah. this, this is this is like right in the middle of the show. So oh, this yeah. is where. So like, this, this is, is where like the up. nine o'clock, not nine o'clock hour. So people are just turning in. And you have you have the fucking crypt keeper reading just names, just names. Here's the thing: if this was on pay per view at the time, I know again as a WWF guy that you know when WrestleMania would come around, they would do an intermission in the middle. It was like what 15 minutes or so. If this was on pay per view, yeah, I get it. Throw Gordon Soley out there and have him read names for an hour and a half. Cool. People got to go take a piss and get a beer and have a smoke or two. It was the 90s. And, uh, but this is on fucking TV. This is on yeah. TNT or TBS, one of the two. Live, live, live special. Television. 
this was a big deal. These clashes were a big deal. And, and they're taking an hour to read names. <laughs> it's like uh, that line from Scrooge when uh, Bill Murray sees the first commercial for, for his, uh, his Christmas special. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, it's uh, some, some old guy sitting in front of a fireplace and, and he's just sitting there narrating a Christmas story, a Christmas Carol. And uh, Bill Murray just kind of leans back after watching the promo and goes, well, that sucked. You've got America's <laughs> favorite old fart reading a book in front of a fireplace. That's how I felt listening to 22 names in the middle of a wrestling show read by everyone's favorite wrestling commentator, Gordon Soley. No, no offense. The guy's been in the business forever. He's a legend and icon. I say as many times, but wow, I don't know who they're selling yeah. this to. But it wasn't Mike at, in 1990. It wasn't me in 1990. And in 1990, I was a wrestling fan. I was uh, 10 years old, probably around this time. You know, so yeah. I was, I was yeah. 10, year, 10 years was old eight. and a wrestling fan. And I don't know who the fuck between Dick the Bruiser scaring the shit out of people. And now we're, we're, we're putting them to bed with fucking story time with Gordon Soley. And we haven't even got to the Sam Mushnick shit. So... Strap in, kids. <laughs> Just strap in. <laughs> this isn't family entertainment. I'll tell you that much. Um, so, okay. Uh, I'm not going to do the Gordon Sully thing. It'll take far too fucking long. Uh, Bobby Eaton's number 10, followed by the Z-Man. Michael Wall Street, who literally just debuted five minutes ago, is already number eight. I guess we're counting Mike Rotunda, even though Mike Rotunda doesn't count Mike Rotunda. Anywho. Well, uh, no- well I mean, I mean, does does he keep it? Because he's the same person. Like I understand. Did he use his investments to buy number eight? Name. He made sure to legally yeah. change his name because there's so many un- unanswered questions with the story. God damn it. Number seven's Brian Pillman. Uh, Red Roosters number six. Sorry, Terry Taylor. Uh, number five is Arn Anderson. Number four, Rick Flair. Number three, Lex Luger. Number two, Sid Vicious. Number one, Stan Hansen, because he's the United States champion. And Sting is the champion. I do still find it, and I know I said this uh, the last time we did the top ten thing. I find it interesting that Arn Anderson is the TV champion, uh, or he's one of the champions, right? TV yeah, champion? he's the t- TV champ. TV champ. Yet he's, like, way down the list. Like, why wouldn't he be, like, right behind Stan Hansen? As the, but, you know, again, I, I don't it's a made-up list. You, you mean you mean you mean uh, Uncle Gordon between uh, the the Tale of Two Cities and the Night Before Christmas? He couldn't tell us what the what the representation of the titles meant. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> where, where, why do the titles rank so differently? Uh, anywho, that's over. Uh, but you know, <laughs> the, the hits keep on coming because uh, then we get uh, the video package about the international tag team tournament which has one team from a bunch of different countries and the Steiner brothers from the U S. Um, yep. Mm, mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, it was a different time people. Yeah. But wow, this is, um, so we, we jump into the, what the fuck was it called again? The Pat O'Connor Memorial tag team tournament qualifying match and this is the qualifying match for the country of the continent of africa i guess um, yes 
So, oh boy. Um, so, so okay, here, here's because I'm so, trying. I'm trying so to here, work this so so we don't get ourselves in trouble because it's 2020 right now, and this is so racist. Yeah, like this whole thing is just so fucking racist. Um, so yeah, this is this is the African Tag Team Tournament Finals. Uh, I'm just gonna read it <laughs> verbatim. Uh, the, the, just the nuts and bolts, the facts of it. It's uh, from from South Africa. Colonel De Klerk and Sergeant Kruger. Uh, who come down in uh, fatigues, camos, and then, I swear to God, <laughs> uh, Kalua, and they caught. They kept just kept saying the beast, and but they 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 titled him correctly. It's a uh, Botswana beast, and trying to say that. I understand why they just kept calling him the beast because they they they're like oh I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna butcher that name I'm just gonna call him the beast but when they come out they come out and uh, and yeah J- Jr. so the 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 two guys in the camos are announced from um, South Africa as I said yep and then uh, Kalua. And the beast come out, and they're announced from. And I swear to God, Jr. goes, "Well, from from Africa, of course." Yep. Of oh course, boy. Of course, they're from the entire continent of Africa. <sighs> Anyways, it's a match. It's, so it's a let match. me. I, I, I got I to take credence here on on the uh, the Steiner Invitational Tournament situation. Right. They've they haven't mentioned any other teams except that the Steiners are the number one seed in the tournament, yep. and that Saido and Muda are the Japanese the team well. was, was the only, well, only one I recognized because they did they ran down a few a few different yeah. countries, uh, but that was definitely the only one I had heard even remotely heard of. Um, and, and I guess I mean I'm not a international wrestling guy. So, so here's the thing with that, Mike. They announced the other team. I know you haven't seen Starcade yet. What do you think the finals of the tournament is? Well, who lost this match? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not them. <laughs> so we can cross them off the list. Um, uh, didn't the didn't the 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 camouflage guys win? They did. They uh, had some sort of hold on. Got to check Kruger, my and, uh, Kruger and yeah, Mark Kruger and Mel- Mellencamp. Yeah, Kruger and Mellencamp or whatever. Yeah, Colonel uh, Johnny Kruger. Uh, yeah. They won, I believe. Yeah, they 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 did something. They yeah, got he, a roll up or something. Who gives a fuck? Drop kick and the clerk pinned the beast. Um, <sighs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I, sure. I don't know. I'm yeah. guessing Muda. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and and it's just it's, it's Muda and Saito versus the Steiners. It's probably going to be a great match. <laughs> but just, but just, don't. Why not just book you, that match? <laughs> yeah, just book the match. Why do you need a tournament? Why do we have to make a thing out of it? Um, I I don't know. Um, yeah, good. Uh, the, I don't know. I do, I don't know. Uh, Pat Pat O'Connor uh, was a legendary wrestler who had just passed away. Uh, probably two or three months before this. Uh, and clearly everybody, yep. everybody liked him. Uh, and that's why they named the tournament after him. And it was more, uh, 
honestly, JR spent more time talking about Pat O'Connor than the teams in the tournament. So it was clearly more just like, you know, to pay respects to him more than anything else. Uh, but wow, it was WCW in 1990, man, is what it is. This was just, it was <clears throat> everything, it was everything Midwest for, for, for a company that's based in the South. They just put all the Midwestern in their mouth in, in this episode. Well, I'm assuming, based off our next video, that Starcade takes place in St. Louis. Because we got Sam Mushnick, legendary, iconic promoter, doing his best to keep his teeth in his mouth while he invites us to St. Louis. I'm sorry, but again, who are you trying to sell this show to? Like, I, like you know, I'm, I'm trying, you know, I, I'm not, like, I, I am disrespecting them, but... Uh, you know, it's not it's not meant in a way just to poke fun. It's like you're you guys are fucking doing this shit. Like you you put Sam Mushnick on there, like come on, and you know he seems happy enough. It's like oh, come out to St. Louis, I'm gonna be there at Starcade, and it's like yeah, but I was ten years old and a wrestling fan. I can't say that enough during this show, and they were trying to promote their next pay per view, which would have cost my mother money at the time. As a ten year old, I would have had to ask mom. Can I get this wrestling pay per view? Can you spend twenty bucks or whatever it cost at the time? Uh, it's, uh, who the fuck am I? Who are you selling the show to? It wasn't me. Yep. It wasn't me, the wrestling fan. You know. Nope. Uh, wasn't me either. Wasn't me either. Bunch of tag teams I never heard of that the Steiners are just gonna beat the shit out of. Fucking Gordon Soley reading a list for an hour and a half. I mean, come on, man. This is, and this is on television, live, live, live. Didn't they have Baywatch live. reruns Primetime. they could have put on? Jesus Christ! Wow. What was it? What, what was the uh, rerun in the nineties? What's happening? Or uh, Taxi? Or one of them? Yeah, they could have. Harry Mason or whatever the fuck it is. Rather, an hour and a half of the Star Spangled Banner at this point. Just give me white noise. Um, all right, so Sam Mushnick did his thing. We get a recap of uh, Luger and Stan Hansen's match uh, with that botched lariat that JR is still selling like the most vicious thing ever. Um, and then we get the video package from a pool hall of Paul Heyman signing the Motor City Madman. I had to look it up uh, because I really couldn't tell and I was trying to place the time of the time it was. Uh, it's not Ray Trailer, the big boss man. That's immediately who I thought it was. Uh, but then I put Motor City Madman into uh, Google, and I'm guessing it's not Ted Nugent either, because that was what came up first. Um, no, it's Mike Moore is the name of the the wrestler. He uh, the the director. Uh, no, yeah, Michael Moore, the director, the actor. <laughs> no, um, here's a so here's a fun fact. He didn't have a he didn't have a giant career. Uh, shocker, um, but. He's the Motor City Madman, right? That's his gimmick, which Motor City is Detroit, Michigan. It's common knowledge. Even kids knew that shit. He hails from parts unknown. (sighs) Really? The Motor City Madman is from parts unknown. All right. Well, I guess him and Sid hail from wherever they darn well please. 
fucking kidding me with which this? Which is right next which is right next to Parts Unknown. I think they share I think they share like a Starbucks. Are you, like really? Like that's a layup. You're calling yourself the motor city. The guy literally was from Detroit. He was born in Detroit. Okay? Like what? I don't fucking well, know. Well, so what what'd you what'd you think of the promo where they're in the pool hall and he's too tall? For the shot for the, cam- and, for the camera, yeah, yeah which <laughs> which was done on purpose, I'm sure. But the the lamp is blocking his face, so you don't even know who the fuck he's talking. It's just a disembodied body with no head. So what it immediately reminded me of um, was the 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 hooker's bodyguard in Bachelor Party, Milt, who was a giant individual uh, that you know our what Tom Hanks' short friend was buying the hookers. And he's uh, dealing with this pimp, and the the pimp had an Indian accent, and he uh, he's like, all right, well, you know, girls are back in two hours. I'm not going to do the accent. Girls are back in two hours, or Milt comes to find you. And the guy's like, oh, who's Milt? And he looks looks up because it just looked like he was standing next to a wall. And he goes, this be Milt, and he looks up, and it's just a big massive dude that bashes his head through a window and he's like oh cool all right great two hours <laughs> the hotel with hookers um yeah so that's what i thought of but yeah it was also just again wcw production quality i'm sure they were trying to make him look big but they made the shot just look weird yeah it looks cartoonish uh something they're not accustomed to do uh it's just cartoonish kind of vignettes and this came off cartoonish very um, they were, they, I mean, they were trying, I, I, I'll give them, you know, I'll, I'll give them a C minus for effort. They were trying something. Um, uh, so yeah, so we get Luger who, uh, who's doing a promo. He's been on the hotline all night. Those were things. Uh, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. He could pick up a phone for the hotline, but not that one, one, one. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> People are gonna hate us. Um, so yeah, so uh, so Luger's worried. He, he's not worried about the Ma- the Motor City Madman. He wants Stan Hansen, of course. Story of this thing: nobody gives a shit about who they're fighting tonight. It's who they're fighting next month that they actually want to talk about. Big Cat shows up because he wants to fight everybody. <laughs> he's like, "Hey, baby, I'm gonna kick your ass," and he does. So what happens is the weirdest exit to an interview ever. Uh, Big Cat starts talking shit. Luger bows up to him. Big Cat bows up to him. Luger smacks the Big Cat and then just kind of drops his arms to his side and walks off stage. As simple as that sounds. (laughs) Like a peacock. Like a peacock. And Big Cat stood there just like, like the rest of us, basically looking like, what the fuck just happened? Like, what What happened? He just hit him, and because, well, we all knew what, you know, because what had to happen was Luger had to get off that stage, go around, and get up to the ramp so he could get into the ring and have a wrestling match. But it was just timing. Um, so, yeah, it looked very weird. Um, but, you know, Motor City Madman comes out. Um, does a match with Luger. Big Cat shows up again. <laughs> uh, we got a wild Big Cat running in again. 
and uh, some suplexes, and uh, you know, it's it's, a, it's another match in the show. Yep, it's it's a typical big guy versus strong dude match. But something I found interesting in the background is in the vignette, Paul Heyman is recruiting this guy. Doesn't yep. escort him to the ring. Yep. Doesn't stand in his corner. There's just he he just Paul Heyman just brought him in for for the fuck of it apparently. Well, there is some continuity to that because Paul mentioned at some point in this show that he retired from the dangerous alliance or or from managing or something. He he mentioned it in this show specifically, and I remember taking note of it uh, because I thought the same thing. I'm like I'm like I remember Paul Heyman in WCW as a manager and, and like occasionally would do commentary, but not like full time do commentary because he was a manager. Uh, and we, you know again, WWF guy Bobby Heenan would leave the broadcast booth to go manage his guys during shows. That was a regular occurrence. Um, but yeah, at a certain point, Heyman said he retired. He ma- he made enough money that he could retire from managing and just do broadcasting. And I'm like, all right, that's a weird yada yada. But yeah, I wouldn't want to stand in the corner of Moist you Madman either. He sucks. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. So it's it's funny that he say they has the money now. So maybe the timeline is he loses his, all his investments going through Michael Wall Street, which is why he had to come out of retirement and manage again. Now <laughs> we're going full circle, time's a flat circle. They all invested in phones that weren't plugged into anything. (laughs) Technology is what we call it. Technology. Um, Referee Nick Patrick is up there. This is, I think, in reference to that storyline you talked about last week that never kind of went anywhere. Yeah, so he comes out talking about um, the Steiners and the Nasty Boys and... Um, you know, the referee safety and, you know, the too violent, this, that, and the other thing. So they're still feeding into that referees are scared storyline. But after, after tonight, there's no mention of this. However, it did lead to Dick the Bruiser becoming the referee. I didn't want to spoil it for you, but Thank for, and, and someone had to probably tell him the day of that he was doing the Sting Black Scorpion main event cage match referee because, the situation was too volatile for a uh, normal referee. So you got to get Dick the Bruiser off the couch and give him a carton of lucky strikes and get him into the ring. Look, I'm not going to do the match unless there's a winner. No, there's a winner. Jesus Christ. How many matches were there? No winners in your day. <laughs> there's going to be a winner. <laughs> oh, shit. What show are you watching? Of course there is. Uh, anyway. Uh, Renegade Warriors now actually being introduced as Chris and Mark Youngblood. It t- it took JR yes. mentioning their real name over and over and kind of disregarding the fact that they're actually called the Renegade Warriors to have them introduced as Chris and Mark Youngblood, the Renegade Warriors. Which great longer yep. names, awesome. Um, and and, and the, alliteration. Yeah, and the Nasty Boys are here too. Uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Um, you know, we talked about it last week. Nasty boys do nasty boy shit, and and they're actually they're they're a really good tag team, especially in this era. Um, yes, absolutely. Paul is selling the shit out of the nasty boys. They, he's doing a great job <laughs> on commentary with this. Um, but the match is a match, and Steiner show up. I believe is that what happened? 
Yeah, Steiner's uh, Steiner's came out, interfered. Renegade Warriors with the upset win. Um, oh, that's right. By okay. disqualification. I do, I do remember. The yeah. Steiners jumped in, and one of the Renegade Warriors kind of just got, like, he, he let the nasty boy hit him so he would fall out of the ring. The other one was kind of left standing in the middle of the ring while the four, the two Steiners and the two Nasties start fighting. And he's kind of like, you can see him kind of doing like a, should I should I get into this? Should I take a punch? What, how the hell am I going to get out of this ring? And he literally just kind of stopped, turned around, and walked out of the fucking ring. Yeah. Well, he and, and true, true to his gimmick, he was doing his, the Native American high step around the ring as soon as it happened because even the most awkward situations you must you must keep in kayfabe yeah yeah um but steiners and nasties uh brawl for a bit yep uh yeah you know it's it's a it's getting a storyline over which you know i'm for um what I Which doesn't was... come to a payoff, by the way. Doesn't come to a payoff at all. This is the last appearance of the Nasty Boys. They go to WWF, right? Yep. Yeah, this is um, this is becoming a common theme. Uh, we, we talked about it in our first show with uh, Mean Mark. Um, I don't know. It's like you're you're. It's like someone booking this shit doesn't know when their contracts are up. Nope. Holy. <laughs> Listen, it's part of my black magic. Yeah, it's your black. He's too concerned with black magic and hiring eighteen magicians to play one character. He's losing. He's losing every storyline under the sun. Uh, speaking of which, uh, there's a video package. Vader's back. Kind of is he? Yep. Um, big yeah, Van I Vader mean... returns, and here's a big video package of him beating the shit out of the Z-Man, and. I'm just going to spoil the rest of the show. Vader never shows up. And you you told me, you asked me that when I watched it. I finished the show and you sent me the picture of Vader. I'm like, oh shit, yeah, he never showed up. Uh, I did go and Google and I found nothing. Like, he just, like, I don't know if it was a, if they weren't supposed to run that video package. If, like, because it's not like, it's not like there was a match that was canceled. It's not like it got edited out of the show. It just, Nothing happened. Well, the worst the worst part about it is JR led into the video package talking about Vader. So leads into the video package about Vader. And I never saw the show until I watched it for the first time. So this is a show I missed for whatever reason when I was a kid. But I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna see I'm gonna see Vader. And they just did not talk about it. Bring it up. It's kind of like walking in on your parents banging. You just you know, you don't you don't want to talk about it. The video package we saw, but we're not going to talk about it. I said no, Gabriel. Let the boy watch. <laughs> <laughs> I just rewatched the first season of Eastbound and Down today. <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta watch that again. That's oh, tremendous. I, and I love the fact it it actually I shockingly I did not pick up on it the first time I watched that. The fact that Will Farrell is doing Ric Flair. Oh, yes. Man. Oh, is Ric Flair. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, it and it's weird. I think I was just enjoying the show so much on the first time I watched it and the weirdness that was Will Ferrell doing that that I'm like, 
I didn't pick up on it. And the second rewatch, I'm like, God damn, he's doing a Ric Flair. Because, I again, I was enjoying the show too much. I didn't pick up on He's going, woo, the whole time. Woo. He's not doing it, woo. Yep. He's just very subtly going, woo. And Kenny Powers is talking to him. He's like, woo, woo. Love it. Love it. And then I'm like, the second, we gotta... <laughs> second time I watch, I'm like, oh, shit. He's... And then I Google it, and it's like it was basically Ric Flair's relationship with John Rocker and, and how Ric Flair owned uh, like car dealerships in, in I think, Atlanta yep. or North Carolina or something like yep. that. Uh, South, and yep. that whole thing. And I'm like, this, this added a whole other awesome layer to this story. It's wonderful. And that, that character is just delightful. Anywho. Um, I want to see. I want to. I want to look through uh, Ric Flair's old promos and see if he has one talking about the plums. <laughs> My plums. Woo! Turn a bluish hue. We took it on a farmer's market. See what they sell for. <laughs> My son Gabriel walked in. I was making deep. Passionate love to my wife Melinda, and I said, "No, but let the boy watch. Let him watch what is happening here." <laughs> One, the, the, it's funny because there's there's an outtake. Uh, we're just gonna do Eastbound Down now. Uh, there's an outtake reel uh, on on YouTube you can find of that scene and how uh, Craig Robinson and Danny McBride just they they could, he couldn't Will Ferrell couldn't get yep. two words out without both of them just busting up. And now going back, knowing how hard it was, I, all I do during that scene now is stare at Craig Robinson's mouth. And you can see him literally like wiggling the corners of his mouth to not smile. And he's obviously biting the shit out of his tongue. It is priceless. Definitely. Yep. Uh, well, if you haven't seen he's bounded down, what the fuck? Go, go. Watch. Yeah. Get, get out. Get out from under the rock. <laughs> Please. It's a great fucking show. Um. <clears throat> So we got Sid Vicious and the Night Stalker. Back to reality here. Oh, uh, oh. Sid, Sid Vicious and the Night Stalker. Uh, Night Stalker is, of course, Brian Clark, who would uh, go on to be Adam Bomb, and uh, he, under his real name, Brian Clark of Chronic. Chronic. Russo Eric WCW. Chronic was such a like. I don't know. <laughs> Pun intended. Half baked tag team. It's like they were awesome on paper. Clark and Adams were yes, like WCW's 100%. answer to the APA. They, they were just bruisers. They were just take-no-shit brawlers. But the fact that they yep. had a stoner name and like that was the reference, it's like, no, the, these two are the anti-stoner. They're not chill at all. Like You yeah. just hear chronic and they come down and kick all the ass it's like yeah no that's like but i get it it was you know 99 vince russo weed man yeah. all right cool uh, so it's it's so it's so funny you bring that up because um during you know the the beginning of the pandemic where and i had a little extra time on my hands i rewatched vince russo's wcw era i tried that a few years ago i got a, it, a little bit in <laughs> it's it's amazing how he develops characters when he switches over that mirror the characters he created in WWF. Oh, you yeah. just made the perfect analogy, chronic with the weed, like the APA who drinks the beer. And towards the end of uh, 2000, right as Russo was leaving, they made chronic hired hitman, essentially. So you would hire chronic to beat people up. 
I don't know where they got that idea from, though. I don't know. They have a little wooden door in the backstage, too. <laughs> it's a chronic. Chronic. There's, n- there's no real abbreviation. It's just, you know, weed. <laughs> 419. We'll yeah. see in a minute. Yeah. Oh. Actually, that would be better. Was that? Don't tell me that was actually their line. It's way. No, too I just no, I just I just made that up. It's uh, good you. Th- a good line. Thank you. Uh, no, I think it's some about you're gonna see high times or so, some fucking like Point Break, Keanu Reeves fucking bullshit right. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yours was actually better. That's what I was going. Twenty two. We'll see you in a minute. That would have been like if they were stoners. Right. It would be funny. Um, but no. Uh, anyway, Night Stalker has a big plastic axe that he got at Party City. I don't know if you. I, I don't. I don't know if you noticed that not only did he bring that fucking toy down to the ring, after he loses, he carries it back sadly while the big cat's doing another fucking. No, the Freebirds were doing an interview, and you can see him doing basically the sad Charlie Brown walk back behind them with the axe in tow. It's like, oh, that is the saddest fucking thing ever. They made him carry that stupid axe with him. <laughs> They made they made him carry it like a bindle, because, like the mouse from American Tail, because he was fucking packing his shit. And he was out like right after this happened. The, the, oh, it's bad. And Sid even hit him with the axe too, and he still had to carry that bitch back. It's like, man, state of your fucking company, man. Well, I'm a, pro- not, I'm a production guy. Not only did. He hit him with Does the Ric axe. Flair have to ca- carry his robe back at the end of a match? No. Really? You're making this guy carry his Party City axe back? That shit sucks. But he had all, he had another accessory, not just the axe. He had a big cat watching his back in this match. Oh, the big cat loves it. Uh, big cat. Is, big cat is one of the best parts of the show. Like in a show that's really bad. He is the show. <laughs> he really is. Clash of Champions 13. Big cats Thanksgiving. <laughs> Fucking big cat. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, Sid. Sid's very shouty and uh, really doesn't care about Brian Clark here. He just, you know, Sid wants to wrestle somebody else, just like everybody wants to wrestle somebody else. And big cat wants to wrestle anybody as long as it gets some TV time. And uh, he deserves it. He's a shining light on this fucking epic show. Um, anyway. Good, to, good to see the uh, <sighs> good to see the horseman had uh, Sid's back while he's getting his ass kicked. Good to see you know, the horseman right out there. I the same damn thing. The, the, the horsemen stink in this too. It's like the one, yep. one of the, one of their own is getting their ass whipped. They were they had Sid's back kind of on Halloween Havoc, and it's like yep, for a little bit for, for a stable or a faction. It's like. Come on, man! You and again, I don't know who's good and who's bad in this. I, I'm guessing that it's one of those situations where, like, because Sid see, Sid comes off like a fucking heel, like Sid Sid is an yeah. absolute asshole. But the Night Stalker seems like a heel gimmick. The Big Cat seems like a heel gimmick, um, uh, and the Horsemen are heels. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Well, well this I, is the this is the bizarro time. <laughs> what are the rules? I don't are know the rules. What are the rules? <laughs> so oh. it's it, here's the here's the interesting thing. So now now is the time where they're kind of doing the whole horseman's a face thing because Doom and that feud and all that. Sid is over as hell when he comes out. Right. So, but two heels are beating up a face, 
and his face friends don't make the save. Oh, they're busy. They're, they're, they're sorting out the 87 stipulations on the main event. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, that, I, the only thing with that, I wish Gordon Soli read those. I really do. No, nobody on this show could. And they, they tried a lot. They tried at the start of the show. JR couldn't get it out. Tony Schiavone couldn't get it out. Teddy Long couldn't get it out. Ric Flair couldn't get Nobody could get out the stipulations because there was too many of them there, and they're all fucking dumb. Um, but we'll get there in a little bit. Um, we're almost two hours in. Shit. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, the Freebirds doing an interview. Uh, the only real interesting part of this, besides the fact that El Gigante freed himself from his box and got you know returned to sender because I guess Michael Hayes didn't pay the bill or some shit. I don't know. The stamps were turned down. Anywho, the Southern Boys, the wild-eyed Southern Boys, come out looking like generic wrestler one and two with fucking orange Zubaz and fanny packs on instead of their <laughs> gimmicks. It's like, oh, man, you couldn't just keep your fucking hat and coat on for this? Really? You have to look like the Legion of Doom at a buffet? Really? Really? <laughs> the, the, the best line on this is I, I, I want to say it was Smothers. He goes, we're going to be on you like a, like a duck on a June bug. <laughs> what does that even mean? That's some southern wrestling shit, I guess. I don't fucking know. I don't know. But speaking of ducks on June bugs, Missy Hyatt's here to tell us about a TV show. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the I highlight. Mean, look, here's the thing. Missy highlight. Missy, Missy highlight. Missy Hyatt's uh, legacy is 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 tainted at best. Uh, but uh, again, on this show, she does her job. She she speaks very well. She she gets all her lines out. She acts like she knows what she's talking about. She looks great in the in this for the you know for 1990 you know and 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 we're out pretty quick. It's like a 15 second thing. So this time around, I know if you if you want to hear me really rip on Missy Hyatt, go back to our Halloween Havoc one. It gets weird, uh, but this one I yes, guess no, no real complaints. 15 seconds, Missy Hyatt telling us to watch Saturday Night, uh, which of course if you know anything about that coming Saturday Night show, you were going to get the biopic of Michael Wall Street, which must see TV absolutely. Missy Hyatt or no must see TV. Um, yes. So we get a recap of the Steiners and the Nasties, and then Steiners versus Magnum Force. Two more wrestlers with black leather jackets and Oakleys. Literally, their names are Magnum Force number one and Magnum Force number two. <sighs> Did you do any research on these guys? Because I'm going to move on. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think you just described it perfectly. These are just two generic fucks. Like this was a fuck off. I got a poop match. This is fucking it's stupid. It's a shame because the Steiners have been the the shining light of all these shows for me. Um, and I mean, they they still do Steiner stuff, and they look great. Uh, some of some of Scott's moves are just dangerous as shit, though. He la he landed himself on his head twice in this yeah. match, where I'm just like, ooh, buddy. You almost weren't walking after that one. Um, but, you know, it's a squash. Nasties run in. Nasty yep. boys do nasty boy shit. And we roll on. Uh, horseman promo. All right. Let's get through the fucking. Uh, because the next next up is the Black Scorpion shit. So let, yeah. let's at least get the, the stipulations out of the way. Oh, boy. So I'm going to try to say it slowly. Because nobody on this show tried that method. 
They all tried to really rush through it, and it was really confusing and a lot of shit. So, if the horsemen win... Okay, so, restart. So, you've already fucked it up. So, it's... It starts, okay, it's the main event of tonight's Clash of Champions, Tropic Thunder. Um, it's going to start with both members of Doom, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed, and both horsemen, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, in the ring. There's going to be a coin toss. Maybe two? I'm not sure. But there's going to be a coin toss. Two. two. There was two. Two, two coin, coin toss. tosses to decide which member of each team would wrestle in a singles match. Okay. Now, if the horsemen win, they get to wrestle they get to wrestle Doom for the championship. The, the tag titles yep. at Starcade. And yep. Teddy Long will have to dress up in a chauffeur's costume that apparently is a size triple X large and drive Ric Flair around for one day in a limo. If Doom wins, the Horsemen don't get a rematch for the... Yeah, it would be a rematch at this point. They wrestled last month. Uh, Rematch for the titles. And... Teddy Long gets Ric Flair's uh, custom stretch limousine and his 65-foot yacht. I think I got it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> nailed, nailed, nailed it. Nailed now, that took me quite a bit to get out correctly. Picture what we've come to expect as the standard of WCW promos, trying to spit all that nonsense out in about 15 seconds. There's a lot of, and why everyone's carrying around the chauffeur uniform. Everyone has the, and it's just a cardboard box. Like they could have at least put it in Arn's fucking cooler. He's got it in his trunk. We know that Kevin Nash told us that (laughs) shit. Okay. Yep. So it's like, they got a cardboard box. Again, they spent all day at Party City. Night Stalker got his axe. These guys got a chauffeur's costume. They put it all in one big box. It's like, yeah, just bring the box on it. I don't give a shit. And they literally just picking up a hat and a jacket. Oh, we got a shirt, too. It's like, yeah, we got a discount on everything. We told them we were wrestlers. Uh, but it's, it's so... Why, again, we're trying to do too fucking much. Just trying so yeah. hard. To do too much. Now we get to the... Uh, this. This shows our show, two guys watching wrestling, main event. Not the main event of Clash of Champions, Tropic Thunder, but the main event of our show here. This is the face-to-face with Sting and the Black Scorpion. In the danger zone. In the danger. How could I forget? In the danger zone with Paul E. Dangerously. Okay. Can we uh, do another Michael Keaton reference, uh, Johnny Please. Dangerously? Yeah. Well, that, well, Paul has gone on record saying that's what the, this character was based on. Yeah, I just want to get Michael uh, Michael to get Keaton Michael some Keaton love. Okay. Yeah, get some love. Get some love for Michael Keaton. All right. So, <clears throat> all right. Black Scorpion, Sting. 
magic, black magic. It's about with a J. Yes. <laughs> yes. We tweet, we tweeted a picture of that sign out, uh, at two guys, Russell pod, uh, black magic with a J and your spelt. Was that old English? Uh, yeah, it was Y O U apostrophe R. No E at the end. Yeah, so that's definitely old English. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> or old Jacksonville. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. We're gonna so, we're gonna be we're gonna be we're gonna be we're gonna be hot with the southern listeners, I think. Oh, I think so. I think so. Um, so they show us a package of all the times that the, the Black Scorpion has been running shenanigans on Sting. Um, I like the fact... I, well, I like the fact. I don't like the fact. I think it's fucking stupid as hell. But anyway, it's something I wanted to point out. Um, the fact that Oli is doing the voiceover, clearly doing it live in-house. Um, there's a match with Sting and one of the blonde mullets. I believe it was Tommy Rich. Eaton. Eaton. No, Bobby Sorry. Eaton. Bobby Eaton. Okay. Yeah, don't, you don't, do not, Mike, do not mistake the blue, beautiful blonde locks of beautiful Bobby because we don't want to offend anyone about blonde mullets. Yeah. Well, sure it wasn't bodacious Bob Holly. He was one of those guys too. Uh, <laughs> or bombastic bar gun. Yeah, that's what it is. Anyway, uh, so Sting's about to pin a beautiful Bobby, and Black Scorpion's voice comes in over the PA system. Of course, everybody thinks the voice of God is speaking to them and acts accordingly. And he's literally just calling moves? Sting. Nice arm track. He's literally calling spots in the voice over the loudspeaker. Sting. Watch the roll-up. pay attention he's going to attack it's like and then it's like even in this so we we finally get let's let's go back to clash here live and black scorpion comes out on stage uh not wearing his standard just straight black luchador mask it's actually like a gorilla's mask like you would see again again, they they spent the day at party city they they take a shitload of weird stuff and including a gorilla costume from trading places um so <laughs> that's two for trading places keeping score jim belushi's about to pop out of the back going hey look what happened to me <laughs> and uh so he's wearing a weird gorilla's mask but what i noticed was um whoever i think it was probably that magician we talked about in the last show that was doing this because they do actual magic show here um he's he's trying trying to actually lip sync with Oli, because you, you could see that the gorilla yep. mask is moving its mouth. Um, but the problem is o- Oli's all over the place, and also he's responding live to Paul Heyman talking to Sting because he can hear that, even though the Black Scorpion wouldn't be able to hear that from where they are. And and like the one the one I really picked out was uh, when he when he's putting the boy because he grabs a boy from the crowd that happened. Um, he put yep, the boy he in, did. The, in the cage and, and you nope, hear Paul. No, nope, no, nope. he does something first. The, the dreaded, uh, Tootsie Roll mech twirl in the, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, that was actually kind of funny unless you're sitting on the other side of the, the gimmick 
and then you see it didn't work. <laughs> turn your head. Turn your head the other way. Now we're just going to turn a box around, and they're going to see the back of your head on the other side. But hey, the cameras don't notice. So magic. Black magic. Black, Black magic. Black magic. <laughs> Sting. Oh, I'm getting into this. <laughs> And uh, so then he grabs a can and puts him in the cage. And you hear Heyman, like, kind of softly say to Sting, he goes, what's he going to do with that cage? And then you hear Ole over the loudspeaker go, yes, the cage, Sting. <laughs> like, he's talking back to Paul Heyman. And I'm like, this shit is so off the fucking rails. Uh, so we do the, the smoke and mirrors gimmick, and the kid turns into a live tiger. And Ooh. again... Much like the last magic show we got with the Black Scorpion, the best part of this is Paul Heyman selling it because he freaks out about Tiger first. Then Sting, for an athlete, he walks slow as shit. Again, I don't know if it was on air or off air, but wrestlers need to know how to move a little quicker, including when they're going up ladders. Just a thing. Uh, yep. But he's moving at, at, the, at a ladder's pace. Let's put it that way for wrestling terms. And he's slowly walking towards the Black Scorpion because the Black Scorpion is obviously walking slowly away from Sting to get into position. And then he lifts that blue shiny thing and poof, he disappears. And my God, Paul Heyman screams, where did he go? At the top of his lungs. And I nearly pissed myself laughing so hard this 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 should not be as entertaining as it is so i thank paul Heyman for making it more entertaining yes where did he god go ah! where did he go and i was like oh my god this is awful oh he, he, he was doing the he's oh he was over there and he was at the cage and then, oh, oh, he's gone where is he and then he gets back to the and the the best part again, I I'll sing the praises of Paul Heyman all day until I'm blue in the face. Uh, but the the best part about it is the next match starts. So the the Horsemen and Doom come to the ring, right? And they do their double coin toss, and it's Ric Flair versus Butch Reed. And about two minutes into the match, Paul Heyman hasn't said a word, and the first thing out of his mouth is. That was a live tiger. And Jared's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw it. He's like, but that was a live tiger. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going like, to be interesting at Starcade when we see it. It's like, like, that's why those guys are good at it. You know what I mean? Like, they took this shit gimmick and this shit story that is falling apart at the yep. seams every single week and just sold it because that's what they do. They're, that's, it's like, we got to get this fucking thing over. Because they got a match at Starcade. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to be under the mask. Literally, I'm not talking like storyline. Literally, that's them in the back going, I don't know who the fuck is, Sting's going to wrestle next month. But we're going to have him wrestle somebody in a black fucking hood. So you got to get that shit over like it's the best goddamn thing. Because Dick the Bruiser is scaring all the kids away. So we need them to watch something with Sting. And uh, this, this match, though... Um, uh, Rick Flair versus Butch Reed was easily the only actual reason to watch Clash of Champions 13. 
Uh, I, yes. I would I would not suggest watching this show, but I would suggest seeking this match out. It was a really good wrestling match uh, from start to finish. All the shenanigans and all the false finishes and, and all the, you know, the Arn Anderson jumping in and Ron Simmons getting involved and Teddy Long and, and all the, you know, for for the mess that the stipulations are in this match, the match delivered like it didn't matter. It did not matter that Teddy Long's going to have to dress up like a chauffeur and drive Ric Flair around for a day or that Doom was going to win his boat and car or some sh- some shit, excuse me. It was like the match from bell to bell. This was a quality wrestling match. And I said it the first show we did, uh, the, the, which I believe was a clash of champions, right? It was, it was 12, right? Our first. No, it was a uh, great, great American first bash, great, great American, American bash. bash yep. Uh, with our first show. And, and I said it then. And it's like, I'm really appreciating watching young Ric Flair do like, and, and, I say young Ric Flair, but it is 1990. He had been doing it for a while at this point already. He was already a six-time world champion at this point. Uh, but watching young Ric Flair, it's like, okay, you know, I, I know I've said it many times, but it's like I'm seeing why people regard him as the greatest of all time. Because, again, yep. I, I hate to keep repeating myself, but it is what it is. I grew up a WWF guy. And it's like when people are like, Ric Flair is the best pro wrestler. And I'm like, well, Hulk Hogan, man. Now I'm watching. I'm like, fucking Hogan couldn't wrestle. He couldn't hold Ric Flair's boots in a wrestling match. Let's put let's be yep. quite honest. Hogan might have <laughs> or his plums. money and might have put the his plums at the farmer's market with my son Gabriel watching on the side. I said, no, boy, you keep your eyes open. Watch as I penetrate. Oh, mother. <laughs> Got deep on you there, uh, ooh, Ashley Schaefer. Um, weird they named the character after fucking Charlotte Flair. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, shit! I even. Oh my god! Yes, holy Schaefer. shit! Um, gonna see where Schaefer comes from. I guarantee you, there's a reference in there somewhere. Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, the, this match, uh, Flair and Butch Reed, is it, it's fantastic. It's worth watching. Uh, even though the big cat doesn't run in and, and ruin it, like that would have been the, the icing on the cake. That would have been a cherry on top. If big cat yep. came in and kicked everybody's ass for no reason whatsoever, that would have been like, oh, good WCW. Um, yeah, that was that was uh, that was a good match. So so time time wise on this match, this match was 14 minutes. If you take the last five matches and add them all together. This match still has more time allocated to it. As it so should. The, it, I mean, it should, but you had no other match over six minutes well, on, and, and on the here, show. Here's, here's the fucked up thing. Like, I could have watched Ric Flair and Butch Reed do their thing for another 30 minutes and been happy with it. <sighs> Luger and the Motor City Madman, Vicious and the Night Stalker, the Renegade Warriors, the the, the whole... Pat O'Connor wrestling tag team memorial African tournament thing. All of those matches felt like they took a day and a half to get through. And I was like, oh my God. Yep. Can I have some black magic, please? <laughs> I, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I don't care anymore. Oh, the oh the big cats here. Okay, fine. I'm back in the show. <laughs> Why are the Southern boys wearing Zubaz and fanny packs? I don't get this show. <laughs> And and just there's so many, so many times that 
people just make two, three, four appearances through the show for, for yeah. no reason. Yeah, again, uh, <laughs> if it was a lesser guy, I, I'd probably have a problem with it. The big cat was funny to me, so that part of it. And then the more he kept showing up, the funnier it got to me because I'm like, this this guy isn't really in the race here. He's not in the championship thing, but he's literally putting himself in it. Like the um, and, and I think I mentioned it on one of our earlier episodes because one of the only times I really took note as a kid where uh, WWF did something similar where they made the champion like they made some of the undercard guys talk about the actual champion was uh, Bad News Brown talking about I believe it was like WrestleMania five or some such shit. And he had just lost a match and they're interviewing him after the match. And like, tell us about you. And he literally was like, I don't give a damn about that match. I'm coming after Savage and I want the title. And it's like, you guys aren't in a program together. And it's like, when when you watch it without context, it feels like, oh, he's going rogue. He's just trying to insert himself into this to try to, you know, drum up some possibilities and get people talking. But it, it is, you know, when, when you think of it as a sport, that is what should be happening. Everyone should be vying for the title. And, you know, the big cat, even though he's, uh, he's number nine in the tag team thing, he's not even in the top ten of the singles. So he's trying to crack that top ten. He's trying to, he's trying to take over the Z-Man spot or maybe uh, Terry Taylor's spot or Bobby Eaton's spot. He's going after them. And, and uh, of course, you know, he's just so – he's the big cat. He's, he's – Wow, Big Cat, man. It was just, it was dumb. It was funny and dumb. Yeah, it was definitely a, a, a shiny light on a pile of dog shit of a two-hour show. Class of Champions 13. It was funny and dumb. <laughs> uh, what are we doing next week, Rich? So next week is the series finale of the Black Scorpion Oh Storyline: We uh, we have made it to Starcade '90 Collision Course, so we get to see Dick the Bruiser. Um, nice, he'll be there. Mosey on in. He'll he'll will be there, and there will be a winner in a match he doesn't know about between Sting and the Black Scorpion for oh the God. WCW NWA ABC World Heavyweight Championship. Okay, so and I just went to and, the Starcade '1990 Wikipedia page. Yeah. And up until this point, we've seen the Black Scorpion in nothing but an all-black robe and a mask. The guy in the picture is clearly Ric Flair. <laughs> He's yep. wearing a big disco ball shiny robe. <laughs> he looks like one of the Incredibles. They weren't trying to hide it at all. This is the first I like I haven't looked ahead to this. I've been watching these clean and first time only. And I literally just opened up the, the Wikipedia page and boom, it's staring me right in the face. I'm like, oh my god, of course that's Ric Flair. <laughs> it's like they're not even hiding the lower half of his face. <laughs> so so I think he had one of Doom's old masks that didn't cover anything. No, it doesn't. It was horrible. And and What's the red? The red? The red out of nowhere? Like it's the black scorpion? He's wearing fucking red with his. Why? Uh, You're the black in. scorpion. I'm all in. So, so it's our our first series finale of the black scorpion storyline. Starcade ninety coming up next week here on Two Guys 
watching wrestling uh you can follow us on twitter two guys wrestle pod is that correct rich yeah it is at two guys wrestle pod at two guys wrestle pod hashtag 2gww please use the wrestling version of that hashtag please do please, please include wrestling content so we can move that hashtag up to the wrestling side of things and uh of course you can follow the podcast subscribe rate review uh, we are on pretty much every podcasting app at this point. I believe Spotify is the only holdout, and I'm trying to get us on within the week. So even by the time you listen to this, it might be on Spotify as well. Uh, yep. But all the, ma- all the major ones, Google, Apple, uh, tell your friends to check it out if you're into wrestling, if you're into having a little bit of fun with wrestling, not taking ourselves too serious and all. Uh, by all means, uh, subscribe, rate, review, and uh, we'll see you next week for Starcade 90. Rich, any final thoughts? Nope, let's just get that brass ring, baby. Let's go. Total Wine & More is a wonderland to explore. Thousands of wines and spirits, unexpected pairings and great gifts, low prices and helpful guides. Make the holidays magical at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly, be 21. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. This Thanksgiving, think outside the oven and get Thanks Grilling with Ace. Get a new grill and choose from top brands like Traeger, Weber, and Big Green Egg to add even more flavor to your Thanksgiving turkey, side dishes, and desserts. Plus, right now, get free assembly and delivery on all grills and accessories $3.99 and up. For the best help on the best grills, stop by your local Ace and get Thanks Grilling. Ace rewards members only through December 24th. See participating stores for scheduling or exclusions.